Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job reminds us that we need to guard our hearts. John tells us we're all susceptible to these kind of attacks. What we boast in, what we're proud about, our image, boasting about what we have, who we are, or what we've done. Guard your heart. Start to live for the things that really matter in life. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Mark is the president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Today we're moving forward in our study Mark has titled Contrast. We're looking at the book of 1 John to offer guidance on how we can guard our hearts against the attacks that are coming our way. If you've missed any of the messages in this series so far, catch up online at boldstepsradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out our latest bold resources like Matt Chandler's book, Take Heart. I'll tell you a little later in the program how you can request a copy. But right now, let's jump into our next edition of Bold Steps with Mark Job. What John is saying is that the world is all about feeling good. If it feels good, do it. It's all about seeing and covetousness and offering things. And it's all about pride and what you've achieved and what you've done. All of that, if you get sucked into that, it's all of the world. And when you start getting sucked into that system and get sucked into that game, you start losing your love and your heart for God. If you're a follower of Jesus wanting to live for God, then the Bible is really clear, really strong, really blatant about this. That that is absolutely 100% a worldly way of living your life. You live that way, you're going to find that you love God less and less and less and less. So we got the party in them. Maybe you say, well, I'm not that kind of person. I'm much more stable in my life. I'm, you know, I'm married. I have three children. Much more, I went through that phase. I'm over that phase already. So you don't. But you're into the game of, my neighbors have this, I should have that. I envy what they have, I gossip about what she has, what she doesn't have. Did you see how she came dressed? Did you see, hey, that was a nice person. I want that person too. I want that house. Hey, those people, they think they're all something. I'm going to show them who's something. And you're all into competition. You're all into the envy, the jealousy, the I'm going to up them one, I'm going to show them, or you're into, I would never go out and do that party scene, but you're into your own fantasy world, and so you live vicariously through movies or steamy romance model novels, and, and, and you're living vicariously that world through your imagination because you're wanting to be safe, but you're living out that world that's all up here. It's the, it's the lust of the eyes. You may not be indulging in the flesh, but you're indulging in your mind. Or you may be the person that says, you know what, I'm an upfront, good, healthy citizen. Look at what I achieved. I've started my own business, or I've climbed the ladder of success. 
I've bought this house and that car. I've gotten this degree. I've achieved this promotion. I've been able to accumulate unto myself these things and look at how well I'm doing. People consider me a model citizen in society and you keep patting yourself on the back and stroking yourself for your achievements and to you it's all about your name. It's all about appearance. It's all about what people think. It's all about climbing the social ladder and you may look at yourself and think of yourself as a very good citizen contributing to society and yet... God says you're as much stuck in the world system as the guy that's partying every weekend out there. It's the world system. And by the way, it's been around since the beginning. You know that when Eve fell, Satan used the same old tactics that he uses on you. You say, well, I haven't been tempted to eat any apples lately. No, 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 I'm not talking about <laughs> apples. I'm talking about the temptation tactic. Uh, you remember what happened with Eve? Sure you do. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And when she saw that the fruit was good for food, what's that? Lust of the flesh. Something that's going to satisfy me. I know I'm not supposed to have it. God said don't have it. But I look at it and I think, well, this is good. This is going to feel good if I eat it. That's the lust of the flesh. And she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. Man, that fruit looks good. I've never seen such a plum, juicy fruit like that. Boy, they don't sell this at Pete's Market. Not like this one. <laughs> lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And then the last one is, Satan said to her, If you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. Pride of life. I want to be like God. I don't want to worship God. I want to be a God. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It worked with Eve. She fell. Do you remember the same tactic was used on Jesus? Jesus was baptized and he went 40 days to the wilderness. You remember that story? 40 days up into the wilderness. He'd been fasting for 40 days. Some of you here have fasted for long periods of time. I've been on a couple 40-day fasts. I tell you, at the end of a fast 40-day, you're hungry, really hungry. One lady told me she woke up and she was chewing on her pillow. <laughs> I mean, you, you could eat anything. So Satan came to Jesus, and the first temptation he gives Jesus is he says, Satan came to him and said, hey, turn this stone into bread. Now, he knew he was supposed to finish a fast. There's nothing wrong with eating bread, but when you're in the middle of a fast that you're trying to complete, Jesus knew he shouldn't eat. But Satan was tempting the lust of his flesh. Here's something that you could do that your body wants, but you shouldn't do it. That's the lust of the flesh. The second temptation that Satan gives Jesus is he, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, all this could be yours... The lust of the eyes, all this could be yours if you would simply bow and worship me. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you. All you have to do is proclaim, bow down and worship me. The lust of the eyes. And then the last temptation that Satan gave Jesus is, hey, throw yourself down from the top of the temple if you're really the son of God and see if God will catch you. 
He's appealing to pride. If you're really who you say you are, if you're really the son of God, if God really loves you, jump. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen, Satan's been using these techniques for years, thousands of years. He's perfected this technique. He uses this technique over and over. I think if you were to examine your life right now, you would realize that you have been tempted in the area of the lust of the flesh, you've been tempted in the area of the lust of the eyes, and you've been tempted in the area of the pride of life. Now, you may be really good at resisting one of these areas, but really weak to one of the other areas. And so I'm warning you, whether you're a new believer, whether you're someone that's walked with God for a long time, or whether you're a young leader, John tells us we're all susceptible to these kind of attacks. So you need to guard your heart. Or you will become a casualty as well. James 1 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Have you ever said that? I've heard people say it all the time. I think God was tempting me. God doesn't tempt you. God may test you, but he doesn't tempt you. God never uses evil to try to tempt you. God is not trying to lure you to fall. That's not how God works. God may test your faith, but God will never tempt you to do evil. God may test your obedience, but he never tempts you and lures you towards evil. You say, well, th then it's the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil's all, all about get me. Let me tell you, I believe the devil's a tempter. I believe there's a spiritual world out there. I believe we're in a spiritual battle. I believe there's schemes that the devil uses or spirits use to try to knock you out of place. But I'm going to tell you who the worst enemy is. Don't look to your wife and say, yeah, thanks. No, 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 no. I'm not, it's not your wife. And it's definitely not your mother-in-law either. Your worst enemy is yourself. You're listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job, and we'll get back into the second half of today's message in just a moment, so please stay with us. Now, if you go to our website, on the main page, there's an option there to send us your testimony. And it's so exciting to hear how the Lord is working in your life through the ministry of Bold Steps. Go to boldstepsradio.org and look for Share Your Testimony. Mark, uh, Darla in California did just that. Yeah, we love to hear these testimonies, and thank you. This is a powerful testimony from a woman in California listening through K-Wave. Hey, we're going to invite Judy, who's part of our team here, to read this testimony since it came from a woman. Judy, could you do that for us? Sure. Uh, Darla writes this. She says, My whole life I've made bad choices with the use of drugs and doing everything wrong in the book, left and right. I was like a hurricane going about my business in a whirlwind of sin unknowingly destroying and sabotaging everything in my path, hurting myself and the people around me, being destructive with anger and pain because of the death of my mother. Eventually, my world came crumbling down, my body shut down, and I had a stroke. I was literally stripped from everything I loved, in a wheelchair, paralyzed on my left side, forcing me to be face-to-face -face with God. He now had my attention after several attempts, and I was ready to listen. My measly little self was now pleading to God, Please don't let my children see me like this, 
Don't let this be my ending, Lord. Please don't leave me in this manner. Please, I promise I will serve you the rest of my life. Well, two weeks later, I'm free of paralysis. I'm walking and talking as I was before, only this time, my steps are different because I'm now walking with Jesus and seeing God's will. I'm sharing with others what Christ is doing in my life. So far, He has healed me, cleaned me up, restored my relationship with my kids. Even though things haven't been perfect or easy, whenever I fall, the Lord picks me back up. I'm so thankful for Bold Steps and the daily messages God brings through this ministry. I listen every day eagerly, learning God's plan for my life. K-Wave has been my guidance throughout this journey, and I encourage people to listen. God was able to transform my mess into a message. All glory to our God. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. What a great testimony. And, and Darla, we are so excited about what God is doing in your life. And I love the phrase, God was able to transform my mess into a message. So many testimonies like that. We love to hear from you. It really encourages our heart. And if you would like to leave a story, a testimony, what God has been doing in your life, you can go to... BoldStepsRadio.org. There you go. BoldStepsRadio.org. Just look for Share Your Testimony. Yeah. So there's a tab that says Share Your Testimony. We read all of them. It really encourages our team. Thank you so much, Darla, for that powerful testimony. Yeah. And thank you, Judy. Appreciate you very much. All right. Let's get back into Mark's message now. It's called Guarding Your Heart. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. It doesn't say by the devil, by the world. It says when his own evil desires. What desires? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that all of us have inside. The world just brings it out. We connect with it, but those desires are inside of us. When by those desires... We are dragged away. What are we dragged away from? We're dragged away from the center of God's will. Our evil desires are dragging us away from the center of God's will. Once we're dragged away, then after desire has conceived, that desire starts to grow in us, it gives birth to sin. And listen, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to to death. I want you to hear me well. This is really, really important. Every time you give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you are sowing seeds of death and not of life inside of your spirit. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, there was no expiration date to their life. They were intended to live forever in the presence of God. It was only when we fell into sin that death entered into the world. And listen to me. Death is merciful. It's a good thing that we die. Because while we're living in this world and in this body, we are living with the seed of mortality and the seed of sin in our life. Until we die... We will never become the people that God intended us to be. 
The Bible says that when we die, as believers, we will be given glorified bodies, and we will be given a new glorified body in the image of Jesus, where we will never sin again, and we will walk in the presence of God like never before. For believers, death is a victory. If you really understood our life, you would look forward to glory. If you really live like you, God wants us to live, you see, we become so enamored with this world that we have trouble letting go of this world. But when we really have faith the way God wants, if we really had God's perspective, we'd be saying, God, I want to finish my work on this earth, but man, I can't wait to glory. That's why believers in China can be sent to prison and still keep their joy. Because it's not all about, hey, can I be fulfilled on earth? It's about I'm living life and I'm willing to suffer because I know that glory awaits me. Some of us at the first hint of a little persecution, I don't know what's happening. I think I'm going to stop going to church. Some friends called me a holy roller. <laughs> Seriously? The Bible says if you get persecution, don't look as something strange is happening to you. If they persecuted Jesus, who was the Son of God, who was perfect in all His ways, don't expect that you're not going to get a little persecution. And if you have to pay a price, and if you lose popularity, and if you lose a boyfriend that says, choose between God or me, and you choose God and have to go through a broken heart for a little bit, or if you have to suffer some persecution for people coming against you, if we had God's perspective, we would embrace persecution and we would say, thank you that I am counted worthy to suffering a little bit for Jesus since you suffered so much for me. And that's my final point. That's exactly what he tells us here in verse 17. When you choose the will of God over the desire of the world, you will live forever. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Oh, how I wish that some of us could have an experience in which you get a glimpse of glory. If you got a glimpse of glory, you would never live the same. If you were able to see from a mega perspective your life in the bigger picture, you would realize that your life, the 70 years or 80 years or 60 years or 50 years that you live on this earth are but a dot on the line of eternity. It's like nothing. Do you remember your year in kindergarten? Now, when you were in kindergarten, recess seemed forever. Summer seemed like, wow, half your life. Now you look back and you realize, although it seemed long back then, and who your friend was and what toy he gave you seemed like a mega issue in your life. Now you look back and say, well, that was nothing. It was only nine months in kindergarten. The things that I, okay, some of you, maybe it was two years. I know some of you did the extended program. I'm not most of you, though. It was only nine months. The things I, I thought were important were so petty. 
Now you're looking at back and now you're 35 or 40 and you're thinking, wow, kindergarten was small. Let me tell you, that's nothing compared to the way you're going to look at your life in glory from the eternal perspective. You're going to look at the years that you lived and say they were short. The things I thought were so important, they were nothing really. I wish I would have lived for more important things. I wish I would have understood how petty it was down there and how long eternity is. And how this is just the door, the gateway into eternity. I wish I would have lived for things that mattered in life. Instead, I wasted 60, 50, 70 years on petty things, living for myself when I should have been living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As we close today's service together, I hope you're staying strong in your faith. But if while I've been speaking, you, you've been thinking about your life and you've been saying, Pastor, boy, I feel like I've been slipping and sliding down the slope of worldliness. I feel like I loved God a lot more before and loved the world less, but I've been loving the world more and God less. And I hope today's message maybe was like the little grooves in the side of the expressway when you're starting to fall asleep and driving and you start to swerve off and then you hear the of the grooves and you wake up and like, wow, that was close. That ever happened to anybody here? I hope this message is like the grooves in the side of the highway that are waking you up and say, wow, I was starting to swerve off and I realize, wake up. You can't play around. This could be a major accident. And I hope this message today, the Holy Spirit is using it to wake you up and to say, hey, wake up. Get back on track. Repent of the things that in the world are starting to drag you in and lure you in. Come back to your first love for God. Start to live for the things that really matter in life. It's all about what we boast in what we're proud about, our image. It's the vainglorious boasting about what we have, who we are, or what we've done. Life is short. He that does the will of God lives for eternity, so let's live for eternity. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps. Today's message reminded us that life is short, and if you'd like to make a commitment to the Lord today and invite Him into your life, we'd love to hear from you so that we can pray for you. Just go online to boldstepsradio.org and click the My Next Step link on the left sidebar. You'll have the opportunity to connect with someone on our team while gaining access to some great tools and resources to help you go deeper in your walk with Christ. Hey friends, today we have the great honor of sitting down in the studio with a very special Moody graduate, Dr. Gary Chapman. Gary, you've created quite a legacy and had quite an impact with your book, The Five Love Languages, that has helped countless couples grow closer together. But you also have a book that helps us grow closer to God. Yeah, that book is entitled, God Speaks Your Love Language. (laughs) And I I wrote it because people had asked me, what is God's love language? 
and I read again the scriptures and found out, hey, God speaks all five of these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is wonderful. But I also started looking about you know, how we can enhance our relationship with God. And just by nature, I think, if uh, physical touch is our love language, for example, we're the kind of people just by nature, we raise our hands and worship God. We get on our knees when we pray. I mean, physically, we're involved with God, you know. And I think if people look at their love language and look at the way they normally worship God or love God, they're going to find there's a tremendous parallel there. It's a fascinating study. I love it. So there you go. I highly recommend that you get this book, God Speaks Your Love Language, especially if you're saying, I want to get closer to God and understand the language that I can express best my love to God. Again, the book is called God Speaks Your Love Language. We'll send you a copy today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. And please remember that this program would not be possible without the support of those who give generously. So as you're looking at the ways you can give and invest this year, we invite you to call us at 1-800-DL-MOODY. That's 1-800-356-6639. Or go online and give when you go to boldstepsradio.org. If it's easier, you can send your card or letter in the mail. Just address your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. That's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And before we wrap up today, let me remind you that you can always find these messages and listen anytime and anywhere by subscribing to the Bold Steps podcast on your phone or mobile device. Just open up your podcast app and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Joe. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and leave a five-star review or a comment to help other listeners learn more about the program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Tomorrow, we'll learn how to stand firm in a culture that's increasingly going against the things of God. Our message is called Anointed to Stand Firm, and you'll hear it Friday on the next edition of Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.